Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams shares week three of the series, Gideon. Understanding how God could defeat an army of over 100,000 with an army of 300 is easy. Understanding how a man could convince 300 to fight over 100,000 is a lot harder. Gideon was sold out to the vision God had for him. What is God calling you to become sold out on? Morning. How's everybody doing? Hope y'all are good, man. I'm excited to continue this Gideon series today. Glad to see you here. If you are a first-time guest, man, we welcome you. We are so um, just thankful that all the places you could have worshipped this morning, you chose to worship here, and we just want you to feel welcome. Hope you did. Hope you had plenty of smiling faces and handshakes and hugs and kisses on the forehead. Maybe not kisses on the forehead. That would be a little creepy, but, um, but anyway, hope you felt welcome as you walked in. Um, we're going to continue this series real quick, though. I have one more announcement that I do want to make. We have the opportunity um, to partner with a local ministry named Kingdom Builders. Uh, many of you probably heard of it. They're a missions group here located um, based out of Statesboro, Georgia. And we have an opportunity to help them deliver 14,000 um, Christmas gifts, Christmas boxes uh, through Operation Christmas Child. I know it's like February. You're like, well, it's a little late. Yeah, but they collect so many throughout the Christmas season that they're, they're literally still delivering these things. We have an opportunity to deliver these to the Bahamas. Um, we're going to have a box set outside. It's going to be it's a wooden box, um, and uh, you'll see a, a, a thing set up at the, at the exit back here with some Kingdom Builders information. You can put some money in there. If you'd like to help and support this, just pray about it. And it's an awesome way for us to reach out to people who literally are, are, are miles and miles away from us. But it's an opportunity for us to be a blessing to them. If you would uh, consider helping that, helping support that, it would be a huge opportunity for us. And uh, 14,000 gifts. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I know there are 14,000 people in the Bible. But anyway, um, that's awesome, and we get an opportunity to be a part of that. So um, if you will, uh, help us out. Help us get uh, some of the funds needed. These will be delivered by boat, so really there's a lot of fuel expenses and just different things in uh, helping get these, these boxes out to these kids so we can be a blessing to them. All right, we're going to continue the Gideon series. If you are here last week, we talked about Gideon uh, again, and we looked really at chapter 7, and we looked at how um, Gideon w- was able to do some incredible things finally because he got all the butts or the excuses out of his life. This week we're looking at one of my favorite sections of scripture that is in Judges, in this section of Judges about, the, about Gideon's life. And this is actually where Gideon goes, takes 300 men and defeats about 132,000 or so men. And, and what an incredible feat that is. And so we're going to look at that and, and talk about that today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Judges chapter um, 7. We're going to be reading verses 15 through 18, and, um, and we'll talk about it in a second. I want to catch you up real quick. If you are here last week, you might remember the story. Um, and it, it's where Gideon has been called by the Lord to deliver the Israelites, the, the, the people of God, out of the hand of Midian. And, and he, he finally is convinced by God because God gives him these signs. The last sign you remember is a dream that he overhears one of the Midianite warriors telling his buddy that he had a dream that a big barley loaf rolled into the Midianite camp, knocked over the tent, and somehow his buddy interpreted that, that it must be the sword of Gideon. 
and that God had given them into the hands of Gideon. Now, I don't know how he interpreted a big loaf of bread rolling into their tent as being Gideon, but he did. Gideon hears this. He goes back to the camp and he says, get up, all of you. The Lord has given the Midianites into our hand. And that's where we're picking up today in verse um, 15, chapter 7 of Judges, verse 15. We're going to pick up here. Uh, We'll read this and we're going to pray and ask God to do what only God can do. And that's change our hearts, draw us closer to him. So let's read verse 15 of chapter 7, the book of Judges. It says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to come into your house, to worship you, Lord, to gather together as the church, the body of Christ. Right now, God, I'm thankful that you are faithful to your word and we're two or more gathered. Lord, you are in their midst. So I'm thankful that you're here right now. God, I ask you through the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do, and that is change hearts. Draw us close to you, Lord, as we uh, exalt you through the preaching of your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys like roller coasters? Anybody like roller coasters? Some hands? Some hands? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like roller coasters, but I found the older I get, I don't enjoy them quite as much. I've, you know, a lot of you probably would say, um, younger people would probably say, I'll never say the things my parents say, but you do. And roller coasters is one of the places I find that to be true. Like I get off now and instead of being like, can we ride it again? Can we ride it again? I find myself, I'm like, man, that thing was rough. You know what I'm saying? I never said that when I was little. That roller coaster's gotten rougher over the years. You know what I'm saying? I never said those kind of things. But, but I love roller coasters. I still like to ride them. But here's the thing about a roller coaster. There is a moment of intensity that is so incredible, like you're about to lose your mind, isn't there? Like when that thing is going up the first hill and you hear it and it's like tick, 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 tick. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like you can hear your life ticking away. Like the last few seconds of your life are literally going tick, tick. And then it gets to the top and finally you start to see it like go over the top and you're sitting towards the back and it's like, and then you hear people like, ah, and then the next thing you know, it's like, ah, and you're going over it. And it's, man, it is the ride of your life. It is so awesome. It's up hills, round hills, all up, you know, upside down, all these different things. Now they have the ones where your feet hang out the bottom or that you lay down flat like Superman. That is crazy, intense, but it's an awesome ride. And there's a moment of intensity that builds so much that you get to that top part, that, that pinnacle. And, and, and all of a sudden it's just like, whoo, and it takes off. And I want to be real honest with you that this is what I feel like we are on the verge of. It's what I feel like, like, like we are on the verge of really seeing a momentum pick up like we've never seen before. God has done some incredible things in the three-year history of this church. In fact, February 1st, a few days ago, was the three-year anniversary of our first Sunday service. That was awesome. Like, I, I didn't even know if we'd make it three years. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, woohoo, everything from here is a bonus. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like we had that opportunity to do that. But I really believe in what, what I have sensed in my heart and in my spirit is that God's desire is to do something that is so incredible that we get 15 years into this thing and we look back and we're like, really? 
God, and, and that people would look at it and it would be this thing where it's like only God could do that. I mean, if you want to be a part of something like that, something where we cannot take credit, there's no way we could take credit for it. I believe that's what God wants to do. I believe that there, there are, are, are people in, in your sphere of influence that God wants to change their life. He wants to do some incredible things in and through them. And here's the thing that I know. This is, this is one thing that I've really seen. I asked for some numbers. You know, I mean, it's not all about the numbers, but it is about the numbers because every number represents a soul, right? And so I asked people, I was like, how many people do we have take next steps the other, this, this last month? I saw, let's just check and see what happened. We had 117 people this last month, January 2012, take significant next steps of faith. That means, y'all can, and that's what it's all about, right? That's what it is all about. And that's not even counting the people who have signed up for baptism on February 26th, which if you have become a believer in Christ and, and you have not been baptized as a believer, your next step, you need to get baptized. You don't have to, to pray. There are some things in the word that are very clear. That's one of them. Go look it up. It's real. It's true. Get baptized. Here's the deal. But we saw 117 people take their next steps of faith. Why is that significant? It's significant because we, aren't, we don't have the ability to change somebody's heart. Only God does that. We don't have the ability to cause one true heart change to take place so that somebody takes their next step. We cannot cause that. Only the power of God has the ability to change a heart, to give someone a new heart, and, and, and to give them a new spirit. That says, I want to take my next step. When I see that, that encourages me more than anything. Listen, if we got 900 people in this auditorium and none of them are taking their next step, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? If it's just about us coming in and we'll sing some songs and then he'll talk for 45 minutes and we'll get hungry and then we'll go to lunch. What's the point? But we're seeing people take next steps and that excites me more than anything else, to see people, 15 salvations, 73 people sign up for connect groups, 29 people either serve or take their next step to sign up to serve. Man, that is awesome because people are being drawn by the Holy Spirit to take their next step. This is what I know. We can't cause one person to do that. Only the Spirit of God can cause somebody to take a true next step. And this is the other thing that I'll tell you. I believe that there are thousands of people that God right now wants to change their heart and get them into a relationship with him, that their next step would be a salvation experience with Christ, that their next step after that, that they would get plugged into the body of Christ, that their next step would then be to grow deeper in Christ, that they would be learning about Christ, that they would be living like Christ, and then they'd be leading other people to Christ. That is what I believe. And listen, it's just not thousands of people in the world. That's billions, right? Not just thousands in the world that God wants to do a significant work in their life. That there's billions he wants to do a significant work, that he wants to come to the saving knowledge of who he is. Listen, it's not just in the United States, that's millions of people. That God desires to do a significant work, millions of people. You know, the United States is the third largest mission field in the world. Do you know that? Like we think that it's like somewhere far off. The only two countries that are, have larger populations of unsaved people are China and India. You are in the center of an incredible mission field. There are millions of people. Listen, it's not just about thousands of people coming to know Christ in our state. It, 
There's, there's hundreds of thousands of people who need to know Christ in our state. Yeah, even in Georgia, where everybody's a Christian, right? But you know what? We're probably in one of the toughest areas because we think we know it, and many people don't. We've been institutionalized, but perhaps we haven't really met Christ. There's hundreds of thousands in the state of Georgia. But I want to tell you, I believe there are thousands of people in our community right now that God desires to reach with the gospel. That God desires to reach with the gospel. Now let me ask you this. If, if, if God does something like that, where thousands of people begin to be encountered by his very real presence, where thousands of people are presented with the gospel because people like you and I finally step up and we go out and we proclaim it to them, we live it before them, we show them what it is, then, then would that not be something that we couldn't take credit for? That people are actually coming to meet Christ. They're actually coming to a relationship with Jesus. Their lives are actually being changed. And then they're actually going out and living the way Christ calls us to live. Empowered by his Holy Spirit and leading other people to him. Is that not something that only God can do? Yes. It is. It makes me think about Gideon and those 300 men. It makes me think about the intensity that they must have felt. The fact that they had to know, like, man, we, we are on the verge of something that only, only God can do it. Like, we're on the verge of something that is so incredible. People would look at it and realize only God can do that. And I believe that's where we are. But I believe this. I, I know this. It's going to take every one of us. Stepping into what God's called us to do, what God's called us to be, there's several things it's, it's going to take for us to see that God does something incredible in and through his church. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I, I really want to talk to you about the way that God wants to use us. Because think about this. When Gideon is there with those 300 men, think about this. I, I, I have an easier time believing that God could take 300 men and defeat 135,000 men, listen, then I do believing that Gideon could get 300 men to go fight 135 or 32,000 men. Anybody agree with that? Like I, I have no problem consenting to the fact that God can take 300 men, defeat 132,000 men. Like I believe that wholeheartedly. But when I look at this account, the thing that I struggle with more is believing that like 300 men would sign up for this. And it's not like Gideon had a great war plan, right? It wasn't like it was some great military plan that he was rolling out to these people. In fact, I want to know what Gideon must have given them to get them to agree to it. I guess he was like sitting around the campfire. He's like, here, y'all pass this around. Then I'm going to roll out the military plan. All right, everybody got some? Good. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take 300 men. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. We're going to take 300 men. We're going to give them all trumpets. All right, right there, I'm kind of like checking out. I'm kind of at that point of going, Gideon, I don't know. You you had to give me some more of that because I'm not following this plan. So we're going to give 300 men trumpets. And they're like, okay, this isn't going anywhere really good. And then we're going to give them jars. And then we're going to give them torches. And then, 
at the exact right moment. Are y'all ready? It kind of reminds me of Night of the Museum, part two. Y'all remember that? Like General Custer? Is that right? He, he, he was there and he was like, I've got this great plan. I'm going to yell charge. And when I yell charge, we're all going to charge. That's kind of what I picture this being like. Gideon's like, at the right moment, I'm going to give you the signal. And you do as I do. And, and, and as the men with me do. And we're going to blow the trumpets. We're going to break the jars. And we're going to hold the torches up. And they're like, woohoo! Yeah, Gideon. That is an awesome plan. Sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Anybody that wants to rush into that. Not me. And yet, these 300 men go with Gideon to fight 132,000, 135,000 men. And they go and they march courageously into battle. I believe this. Where I believe it coincides with us is that if there is going to be an incredible move of God, it's going to take many of the same things that it took for these men to rush into battle. If we're literally going to storm the gates of hell and bring people out of hell, literally, to to meet Christ, we are going to have to do certain things. It is going to take some of the same things that Gideon and these men had. And I want to share those with you today. Listen to this. The first one that I want to tell you about, and the first thing that we have got to do, if we want to see God do something that is not just ordinary but extraordinary, these are some of the things that have to take place. The first is that it takes a sold-out, all-in belief that God wants to do something through you and us that we could not do on our own. I mean, we we can say this, we can say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. But do we really believe that God wants to do that through us? Do we really believe that there's a bigger purpose for us? Do we really believe that God wants to do something through his church, through the local church, local bodies of believers to change the face of this community? Do we really believe it? Because if we are going to do it, that is what it's going to take. I do not believe those 300 men could possibly have stormed the Midianite camp with trumpets and jars and torches if they did not believe that God's desire was to do something in them and through them that was bigger than them. Right? But I'm here to t- God's desire is that he would use us to change this community, that we would be a true light in darkness and that people would come to the saving knowledge of who Christ is. And that ought to excite us, right? We get to be part of God changing the face of the earth. You're invited to one of the greatest cosmic plans, the greatest cosmic plan there there has ever been. The God who created it all and holds it all together says, man, You know, you come to me, you trusted my son for salvation, and now you get to be a part of this plan. Is that not incredible? Man, that is awesome. We get to be a part of this plan. We get to do this. Those guys, they stayed because they knew that what was taking place was bigger than them. And listen to this, listen to this. Because it's bigger than us, because what we're in the midst of is bigger than us, it can't be about us. Amen? Woo! We love that, don't we? Because it's bigger than us, it cannot be about us. Do you know what? I'm amazed at how we still think that all of this is for us. 
Well, I don't like the music. I don't care. This isn't for us. If you are in Christ, when you walk through the doors of the church, you're there to serve so someone else can see Christ in you. I went to the gym. I heard a pastor one time, and I'm just going to rip this off of him. Anybody care? Good. All right, good. All right, because I heard it from somebody else, but, but this, I couldn't improve it. I was like, okay, he's smart. I can't improve that. But he used an illustration of going to the gym, and, and, talking about church. And the thing that he said was, he said, you know, when I walk in the gym, he said, I walk in and I have certain rights. He said, but the owners, they have responsibility for that gym. And he said, what I realize is that if a machine tears up, I can walk up to the owner and I can say, hey, man, this is broken. Can you fix that? He said, but because now if I become an owner, I have responsibility, then I have the responsibility to fix what's broken. Isn't that good? Like, like if we would view it as if we're owners, as if we have responsibility and not as members who have rights, wouldn't it change church? Yeah. And, 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 and like, I can't think of good analogies like that. So I just rip them off other people. But the reality is, listen, if, if we will come to a point where we view church not as something that we have rights to, but something that we have responsibility to. If you're in Christ, you have responsibility. My question is, how are you stewarding the responsibility that Christ has given you? I had actually experienced this the other day, and I felt... I felt terrible after it happened. I was at 180 Fitness. I go there occasionally um, to just walk around and look at people. Um, but because I don't do a lot of working out. And then I got one of the owners who works out with me, but he likes to talk as much as I do, so we never really get anything done. And so we're, we're talking, um, and we actually were walking on the treadmill and talking, which we feel a little bit better about ourselves if we do that. Um, I know it sounds girly to say I was walking on the treadmill, guys, but I'm old, so I walk, and I don't run much anymore. But we're walking on the treadmill. We get off, and I wanted to pretend like I had sweated on the treadmill, so I went to go get some um, paper towels and some of the spray stuff, which I don't even know what's in there. I just spray it on there anyway. And, and so I went to go get it, and it was empty. And he's walking behind me, and so it's empty. And so I was like, ah, well, it's empty. So I just put it up. I was like, I'll just wipe it down with a paper towel. So I put it up because it's empty. He walks behind me, picks it up, and goes, I'll take it to the front desk and get it filled up. I was like, why didn't I do that? I felt, I felt terrible. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just totally ignored something that could have been handled that I could have taken care of because I look at it as, well, that ain't my responsibility. All right? How many times we do that in church? We see things that are wrong. And you know what we do? And this is so typical of Christians. You know what we do? Instead of sitting down and having a conversation about what's wrong, which I will admit this, we have things that are jacked up about this church. Listen, we have grown over between 100 and 200% from every calendar date since we started this church. So you go back a year from now or from, from this date, we're at least probably 80 to 100% bigger right now. Listen, we're like a teenager that hasn't grown into their body yet. You know what I'm talking about? Like just lanky, like their head looks too big for their body. Every, not, they just have not grown into themselves yet. And so they're clumsy. Listen, I will admit that. But you know the thing that helps is when people find something that can be improved and they come sit down and talk about it instead of going in and complaining to everybody else about it or either walking out the door. You know how we like to vote as Christians? We leave. You know the other way we like to vote? We quit writing a check. 
We vote with our wallet and our attendance, don't we? And listen, God doesn't have to have either. God does not have to have either. But he desires that you would be a part of his plan. He would desire that this thing would be bigger than us so that you and I could do something that only he gets the credit. Why did he take the Israelites from like 22,000 or 30? Something, 32,000 men, 35,000. I don't know. I'm not good at math. Why did he take them down to 300? Because only God could get the credit when 300 men defeat 132,000. God wants to do something in us and through us where he gets the credit. But if he's going to do that, it can't be about us. It's about other people. All right? Let's go. Number two, it takes a sold out all in belief that God will do what he promised. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but it's so easy for us to get into this place where we believe God will do stuff for other people. He just won't do it for us. Right? Or, 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 or we think that maybe God did this back in Judges, but back during that time. But certainly he would not do that today. Or one of my favorite things is people are like, well, well, you know, the Acts church, the Acts church, as far as I can tell, like God never destroyed the church and started another one since the time of Acts. So if you ask me, I think we should still be in the Acts church, right? Isn't it one church? I don't think he started a whole bunch of them. And we've been divided and split up with all these denominations and factions, but to my knowledge, it's still the church of Jesus. It's the body of Christ. And so we we need to realize that. We've got to realize, people, listen, that he will still do what he promised. I think, um, and you married people, y'all are going to laugh at me. Y'all are going to laugh at me, but um, I think I figured my wife out. I think I did. Uh, It happened last week, and I think I've got this solved. She's she's down here looking at me like, I'm going to kill you. But we decided we would meet at Mill Creek Park at 5 o'clock. And so I said, honey, what time do you want to meet? Because it's always better for her to make those decisions. She said, can you be there at five? And I promise you, in my mind, it automatically calculated to 515. I don't know how. It just happened. It was like five o'clock, 515. I was like, I'll see you there. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting my wife down, but, but the honest truth is we have not been anywhere on time since we dated. We just haven't. I love her anyway, right? If she can love me through all my faults, I can love her for being 15, 20, 30, maybe an hour late. <laughs> but the reality is, like, like, I knew, like, there was no reason for me to get there before 5 o'clock. I mean, before 5.15. Even though she said 5 and she really meant it. That's why I didn't go to 5.30. It's because she really meant 5. And so I was like, I will see you there. I'm thinking 515. I pull up to the red light right at Mill Creek Park, and she's going through the red light. And it's like 515. I'm like, I have nailed this. <laughs> Finally, I have gotten this right. I have figured her out. I know what to do now. I have nailed this. And I'm like, I got you figured out, woman. And I'm pulling behind her. You know, she pulls in the parking lot, gets out. I'm like, Shazam. You know, I mean, it was awesome. And so I figured out my wife. And you know, here's the thing I wonder about us and God sometimes. It's like, by now, after God's done all of these things so consistently, I mean, come on, man. The sun has come up for like millions of years. The same time, like predictable. 
Like if you look at the weather channel, they will tell you the sun is going to come up at like 6.02. It's not like the, sun, the sunrise tomorrow. I mean, they know. They know when it's coming up. God has been faithful. God has been so faithful to us. He's been so faithful to, to, to you. And listen, there's not one person in here today who could come up here on this stage if we asked everybody to come up. And I'd love for y'all to experience that just one time. But if you all came up, there's not one person up here who could not think of one time and multiple times that God has not been faithful to you. You can't think of it. God has always been faithful. How good has God been to you? Then isn't it time that we would start believing what he tells us? Isn't it time to start believing that he'll be faithful to do the things that he's promised? Listen, he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. So no matter what the future holds, church, listen, he's there. He's promised that he wants us to be a part of his plan. And that if we'll surrender to him and we'll trust him, then he'll do greater things in us than we could ever do in ourselves. And as he does greater things in us, he'll do greater things through us. Right? We, we, we need to realize that God is going to do everything he promised. He is going to be faithful even when we're not. And that's the awesome thing about God. Is that he's going to do his part. We've got to get to a place if we're going to see God do something in and through us. Don't you know that Gideon and his men, when they were about to attack the Midianites, they had to know God will do what he promised. I'm telling you right now, God is faithful if we'll step, if we'll charge, if we'll go, if we'll do what he's placed before us to do, God is going to do his part. His word does not return void. If we will stand together and begin to move together, proclaiming the greatest news, listen, the greatest news that we've ever been given, the world has ever heard, the gospel of Jesus. God's going to do his part. Number three, it takes a sold out, all in commitment to God's purpose, vision, and plan. It takes a sold out all in commitment to God's purpose, vision, and plan. At the moment that Gideon and these 300 men are about to attack, his, his vision, his plan for those men at that moment was to defeat the Midianites and bring the Israelites out of captivity and out from under the oppression of, of this pagan uh, um, group of people, right? This pagan nation. But if you back up and you look at the big picture from Genesis to Revelation and, and, and you really look at it, what you begin to see is that big picture, God was bringing us to a place of being able to proclaim his glory that people would look at the people of God, his children, and see his glory. It was about bringing them all together. Listen, it, it hasn't changed. God's desire right here was to liberate the people. But the big picture is, listen, I want my people to shine my glory. I want my people to see who I am. And we've got to come to a place where we are bought in, sold out to the plan, to the vision of God, to the purposes of God, if we're going to be able to do that. If we're going to see God do something in and through us that we, he could not do or we could not do on our own. Listen. I want you to understand something very clearly today. His vision is to fill the earth with his glory by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, by people being born to life through Christ. 
But I want you to know this. The conduit for that to take place is through the local church. And see, here's the thing. I bet you for about 85% of you, when I said church, the immediate thing you think of is a building. But it's God's people. It's the, it's the people of God. The church is, is, is us. It's you. Like, look to your left. That's the church. Look to your right. That's the church. It's us. And God's conduit for renewing the face of the earth is the church, the body of Christ, the people. That's you and I. And listen, this is, this is probably going to be kind of a tense time, okay? But I want you to hear my heart. My heart is not to offend you. My heart is to help you. My heart is for you to fulfill the potential that God has placed inside of you. But here's the deal, guys. Listen to me. You can't fulfill your purpose, nor can the church fulfill its potential when you're half in and half out of the body. You can't. You were not created to do life alone. The church was created to do life together. I was reading again in 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about all the different parts of the body that work together. And you know what's crazy is I look at church today and you know what I see? I see all the ears over in one place. I see all the eyes over here. Like the ears, they like to listen. The eyes, they like to see. You get over here, you got the hands that they just want to go do things. You got the feet, they just want to go. Got other parts that we're not going to mention. All together. And Satan has so successfully divided the church. But this is what I will tell you today. God has called you to be a bought-in, sold-out, all-in part of his local church somewhere. You cannot, will not fulfill the potential that you have, and the church cannot, will not fulfill the potential it has until we are sold out to the very thing that God has told us he wants to use to change the face of the earth. And here's what I hear all the time. Well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. You ever heard anybody say that? We well, hear it all the time. I just, you know, I just, I just don't like the church. Let me tell you something. The church is the bride of Christ. The local, the body of it, it is the bride of Christ. Now, is, are we clumsy? Yes. Do we make mistakes? Yes. But at the end of the day, the church is the bride of Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think we're going to be hanging out if you come up to me and say, Brandon, I love you. You are awesome. I think, and no, nobody does this, but it's the other way around. But I think you're all, man, you got a great person. I love you. You're always kind, but we need to talk about your wife. She is selfish. She always looks after herself. She doesn't think of anybody else. When I, when I was, you know, I had a hangnail. You didn't call and check on me. She doesn't care about me. How long do you think we're going to hang out? Not long. See, here's the thing. I believe when our heart's been transformed by Jesus Christ, we begin to care for the things that he cares for. That includes his church with all its warts, all its dysfunctions, everything else. He's called us. Listen, you know it's going to be dysfunctional. We're in it. 
But there's something greater that holds it together, and it's the Spirit of God. And he's called us to be the light of the world. I remember one time, man, that uh, I had a lady come up to me, awesome lady. She came up to me after church, she and her husband. And I'm glad her husband was there because I would have really been like, oh, whoa, 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 what are we talking about here? And um, she comes up to me, and she looks at me. They've been coming to the church for a while, and she looks at me, and she'll know what I'm talking about when I say this. So um, it's said with love and grace. Um, but she comes up to me, and she's like, i got to ask you a question. And we need to sit down and talk. And anytime somebody in church starts with that, you're like, not good. This actually turned out to be a good time, though. Listen, she looks at me, looks dead in the eye, and she goes, we've got to sit down and talk because I need to decide if we're going to be married or not. It's like, slow down, girl. <laughs> married? But listen, this is what we knew. This is what she meant. She understood the importance of, of, of saying, I'm a part of the body. I'm a part of this church. She understood that it's a commitment, just like getting married. One of the reasons our marriages are so jacked up is we get in them as long as we're happy and satisfied. Guess what? Your marriage was not designed to satisfy you. God, God designed you to be satisfied in him. And you and I need to realize when we come and we make a decision that I'm going to be a part of this body, that we... we we become a part. And listen, we can't be half in and half out. I'll be honest with you. For many people, and we, we get this a lot, a lot of people come in here and they want to date us, but they don't want to marry us. And the honest truth is this, guys, listen. And this is from my heart to you because I want you to do and be everything the kingdom of God, the, the God created you to be for the kingdom of God. You need to find somewhere and get planted. You've got to figure out that place that God's called you to. Because here's the deal. If you're bouncing all over the place, the problem's not the pastor. The problem's not the church or the body that's in that place. The problem's not the music. The problem is us. There's probably 120 churches in Bullitt County. What I would say that we need to do is figure out which one are you called to. And then you invest in that one. All in for the kingdom. And listen, if you can't buy into the vision of a church that, that they're, they're running with, that they're going, if there's not one that even exists, you probably need to find another church. If you can't buy into this, what we're doing, that we're going after believers, if, if, if our evangelistic outlook on reaching people and getting them plugged into the connect groups to go dip, deeper, listen, if that doesn't fit you, then listen to me. With love in my heart, go to a church that does. If that's it's not what God called you to, then go to a church that, 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 that you can plug into, that you can get involved with. Because until you do, three different people, three different entities are going to be hurt. One, you're going to be hurt because you're never going to fulfill the potential that God's given you. Two, other people are going to be hurt because there's all these folks that need, have, have things that need to be taken. They need to be mentored. They need to be grown up. They need to be cared for. And listen, they're going to be hurt. And third, and most importantly, the kingdom of God is going to be hurt until you decide, I'm going all in, sold out. You know sold out means you have nothing left. You have nothing left. Can you imagine the church if we all prayed and said, God, what church do you want me to be a part of? He said, this one right here. And you go in and you go, I'm sold out. I got nothing left. You go into the store. I went into the store the other day to buy some beef consummate. Beef consummate fans in here? Good old bowl of beef consummate. I don't even know if that's how you say it. And they were sold out. You know what? There was not a can on the, on the shelf. So I didn't get to have brown rice. I was awful bitter. 
did not get to have it. And, and, and it was sold out. What, what about you? Listen, listen, really, truthfully, are you sold out anywhere? Because if you're bouncing here, you're bouncing there, you're all over the place. Probably not. Are you all in? Because here's the deal. Too many Christians have been getting the milk for free. It's time to buy the cow. Get plugged in so that you can do an incredible kingdom work. You can lock arm in arm with people. Listen to this scripture. I want to read this to you because I read it this week again. Absolutely incredible. Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God, and, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had. And now here I still have. Listen, whatever happens, I want you to conduct yourself in this way that I will know. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one man. That we would seriously be so united that we move as one person, locked arm in arm, that we're, go, we're literally knocking down the gates of hell so that people hear the gospel, the greatest news that has ever happened. You are armed. If you are in Christ, you have been armed with the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the gospel of Christ, the greatest news that's ever been given to the world, that we have a holy God who is perfect, that we're not but through his great grace and mercy sent his own son to live a perfect life and to die a death that you and I deserve to die. That he took the anger of God towards sin away from us, took it upon himself. Who could be angry with that? It's like he, he did all of that for us. We have the greatest news in the world that we can go boldly before the throne of God, not on our own merit, but a righteousness that has been given to us by God through his son, Jesus. And that is what we're called to proclaim, church. That's what we hold out to people. The light of life, Jesus Christ, has come into the world. And my prayer today is that many of your hearts would be illuminated by that light. Because when yours is illuminated and it's changed and God does an incredible work through you, then we can go do one in this community. The last one, I'm going to hurry through this one. I say that, but this, may, this is the most important. It takes a sold out all in commitment to Jesus. A sold out all in commitment to Jesus. Listen to this. You will never be bought into a local body of believers until you're sold out for Christ. And, and listen, your commitment to the body of Christ never precedes your commitment to Him. It never will. Until God does something great in your life and does something great within you, He'll never be able to do something great through you. My question is, has God transformed your life? Have you gone all in? Because until we go all in, we'll never be sold out to this body. 
You know what's amazing to me? We have tons of parachurch leaders in our church. But you know what amazes me about them? You would think because they've got their own separate ministry that they would be all about their ministry. You know, they're some of the most faithful people we have in this church because they understand the importance of the local church. Do we really grab hold of that? See, the thing is, I can see this, y'all. I can see it. I can feel it. It's almost like I can taste that this, this incredible just move of God that, that, that's going to take place. As we step into this, as we step into trusting in him and doing what he says, listen, it's going to take place, but it will never happen until we are sold out, bought in, followers of Jesus. Where are you in that? Because here's the lie. Just like, just like you can't be half in and half out of the body, you can't be half in and half out with Christ. I don't think we grab hold of that as the church today because one reason I think is because we live in a democracy. We always get a vote, don't we? We, we have no concept of kingship. But either Jesus is the king of our life or he's not. There is no in between. In fact, if we're not 100% in, then we are out. We don't get to that place where we're, we're, we, we don't know Christ just, just a little bit. It's like, kind of, it's like saying I'm kind of pregnant. You either are or you aren't. You've either been impregnated by the Holy Spirit or you haven't. You've either surrendered to Jesus or you haven't. My question to you is this. Have you trusted in him 100% with your life? I'm going to end with this. Yesterday, I did something I've never done before in my life. It was an awesome opportunity. Dake and I got to go on a quail hunt um, for the first time ever. And this is the thing. If you've ever been quail hunting and you didn't put out birds, like tame birds that you could go find and shoot, um, which seems, that seems bizarre to me. But anyway, if you haven't ever done that, then what I found out is when you go quail hunting, you actually go on a walk and you might just happen to shoot a quail. I mean, it's basically what we did. It was like five and a half hours, Dake and I, my nine-year-old, are walking along with a friend of ours and, and watching. It was a great time. We had a blast. But we're watching these dogs work and, and they, they would point the quail. It was a really awesome experience and, and just really beautiful to see um, nature and how all that happened. But we walked and we walked and we walked some more for five and a half hours. We walked and Dake is walking along carrying his shotgun, which is pretty heavy. He's got his 20 gauge and he's walking along behind me. And, and, and for five and a half hours, this nine year old is walking, carrying his gun. And they had showed him how to carry the gun first before we ever went out. And he's, he's holding it like this because they're like, you know, hold it like this. So that when the bird flies up, you can shoot it. And the thing he thought is like a bird's going to fly up anytime for five and a half hours. Every time I turned around, bless his heart, he was like this. So tired that we would get to a place to stop and he'd, do, he'd just get on his knees. And I'd be like, you all right, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. And we get up, he pops up. We start walking again. He got his shotgun. He's ready to go. I'm like, Dave, let me hold that gun for you. Let me carry it for you. No, I, I got it. I must have asked him 15, 20 times, Dake, let me carry the gun. The guy with us, he was like, I'll carry that gun for you, I promise. If we find quail, I'll give it back to you. And he's like, no, I'm not giving it back. And I'm like, Dake, I promise you're not going to miss out on anything. He's like, no, I'm carrying it. And I know he was tired because I was tired. I was like, I'm tired of walking. This gun's heavy. He like, wouldn't let me carry his. I'm like, carry mine. And he's walking though. He's just like, I know that a quail is coming. It's, it's got to be, it's got to be. And he walked all day carrying that thing, 
would not let us carry it for him. And I thought, how much is the church that way? How much are people that way today? That God is saying, Lifting, listen, I will lift that burden off of you if you'll give it to me. And we're just like Dake. We're carrying that thing around. You know why? Because we're afraid we'll miss something. And this is what I can tell you. The only way I can promise you you will not miss out on life is when you trust God with it. And you give it to Jesus and you surrender to him and you allow him to lift that burden. For some of us in here today, the burden he needs to lift is our sin because we've never trusted Christ for our salvation. There are other people in here who are carrying burdens. Listen, for some of you, the, the, the thing that God needs to lift off of you and that you need to begin to trust him with is God, where do you want me to plug in? Where are you calling me to be a part of the body? And I'm asking you right now, are you looking to God, the one who says, I'll take all that off of you if you'll let me. Are you looking at him and going, no, I'm holding on to this even though it is weighing you down so much that it has driven you to your knees? Are you willing to give it to God and trust Him? The Bible says that you'll find life when you lose it by trusting in Jesus. It's our opportunity today. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're struggling with, Trust him. Let's pray.